Welcome to the Questions for the Sages podcast. I'm Michael Scherer. It was almost exactly a year ago that Dhyani first visited the Hare Krishna temple in Potomac, Maryland. We discussed the events leading up to her visit and her thoughts about future plans and involvement. In looking ahead to 2018, I would like to continue this podcast and am considering different ways of requesting listener support. Ultimately, this podcast should not be a cost to the temple, but rather should contribute to it. I will keep you informed as the ideas develop, and thank you to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland for making this podcast possible. Welcome to Questions for the Sages, interviews from the Hare Krishna community in Potomac, Maryland. I'm Michael Scherer, and today I'm very happy to be speaking with Johnny. And is that the name you go by, Johnny? Diani, yes. Diani. Diani. And um, Diani is a name that comes from where? Was it reborn with that name? No, it's a Sanskrit term. It's a Sanskrit name based on the word dhyana, to meditate. And I understand that dhyani means the one who meditates on the goodness of others. Okay. And, and how did you get I that I was name? teaching yoga, hatha yoga, publicly. And I didn't want to use my legal name on my flyers and billboards. Why not? And my website. Because I'm a single woman. Oh, okay. And I'm more con- I was concerned about my safety. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I didn't want people to know I was away from the house at certain periods of time, because then the house would be vacant. So when I was teaching yoga, I was using a, a, a pseudonym. Uh, right, a Sanskrit so pseudonym. Pub- so I could publicly announce when I was going to be away from the house. And oh, such. okay. Just for okay. safety's sake. Now, it. we have talked a little bit before, and um, we were basically, one of the things we were going to do was talk about the year. Yes. What has happened? Now, today is... Um, uh, the the date is is no, November twenty sixth of the year two thousand seventeen, um, and uh, I I think that this is a good place to start. So what what was happening Thanksgiving, two thousand sixteen? That changed. Yes, um, it's a good place to start. So yes, a year ago yesterday, that I came to the, my first temple, and that was here at to the Potomac Washington Temple. So a year ago, and a month, let's say, a month and a year ago, uh-huh. I was um, seeking community, and I was going to a lot of music festivals. Okay. And I met a devotee at a music festival in October of 2016. And she encouraged me, inspired me to find a temple. And so I found a temple Thanksgiving weekend of last year. How did you meet? Like what? what? They were doing uh, kirtan at at the music festival. Um, at what music festival? Um, it was Mountain Revival at Marvin's Mountaintop out in Moundsville, West Virginia. It was a five day bluegrass hippie festival. Uh huh. And they were doing Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and I just called out Hare Krishna, and they're like, "Come on over, come on over," and I'm like, "Well, I'm kind of doing this thing over here with my friends," and they're like, "All right," and then the next day they came over. They saw I was just relaxing in the morning or uh-huh. afternoon, and they came over. And uh, Alex Wallace from the Moundsville Temple, she was from, from New Verdavan. Okay. She came over with some books, and she said, have you read this? And she offered me a copy of the Bhagavad Gita. She says, oh, you're familiar with the chants. <clears throat> I said, well, I teach yoga. And so we, got, we started a conversation, and I said, oh, I've read the Bhagavad Gita. 
and um, and she said, "Well, here's a copy of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto One." And I and she, and I said, "Why is that the sequel?" And she said, "Yes, it's the sequel. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, that's what she she kind of like yes, sort of without fully like yeah. I could see there was a little I mean, of yeah, there's kind of confusion actually, around you I mean, know. We, but we, she we, just, can, we can touch upon that. We I got think. the meaning without having to worry about the words, is what happened. So she, she okay. said, "Yes, it's a sequel." So I was very excited to see this, and I said, "You mean there's other people who have read the Bhagavad Gita?" Because I thought the Hare Krishna movement was something that had come and gone in the 60s. Yeah. My copy of the Bhagavad Gita was 1987. 86. Was it the Hare Krishna? Yes, as it is. So you had read the the Bhagavad Gita as it is translation. Right. And then when Alex showed me the Srimad Bhagavatam, I said, this is by the same author? And she said, yes. And I said, oh, well, I'm so impressed. Um, Will you take a donation? And she said, no, no, they're free. And I gave her $60, I think, or $80. I just gave her, like, a couple of 20s. Yeah. And she handed me all the books in her hand. Now, you had read... The Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita as it is already. Correct. And On my own. What had you thought of it? <clears throat> my first reading, I have to be really honest, I yeah. couldn't understand it at yeah. all. But I... Have, I, I challenge myself sometimes with books beyond my ability. So I just allowed myself to relax and read through it till I found out where it was going or to familiarize myself with the structure of the book. Mm-hmm. Then on the second reading, it started to feel a little bit more personal. And I began to really contemplate what does a personal relationship mean with, with a Godhead? What does that even mean, a personalized knowledge of a God? So I asked all kinds of people, nobody knew. And I just sat with that question, well, not the questions, but because the book was was very satisfying. Mm. Um, when I first read it, it was as though uh, an older relative was speaking to me, counseling me on how to be polite and how to be considerate and compassionate and mercy, all the wonderful qualities that the Gita teaches us. And then the next reading, it became like a friend was talking to me. And each time I read the Bhagavad Gita, it just became as though the relationship became more and more intimate. Was this the first translation of the Gita that you had read? Yes. It was the only exposure I had ever had to any of the books in Krishna consciousness. A girlfriend at work, I was working as an international economist in Washington, Mm D.C., and she was cleaning out a bookcase and offered me a copy of the Bhagavad Gita. So it was given to me by someone at work. Hmm. And I sat on my bookshelf for maybe three or four years. And then I finally picked it up. And were you uh, practicing yoga during that time? Yes, that's why she gave me the book. That's why she gave it to you. Right. Okay. Because I was going to yoga retreats. So this sort of incubated for a while. And then and then when you were in Moundsville... Spark! You, you met someone who sort of... Well, gave you sort of the next stage of reading, which would be the that, and she told me there was a society. Oh, you didn't know that was I didn't was know. A, I thought it was something that had, like I said, come, it come and, and gone. gone. Yes. <laughs> I just thought it was over, and I, I have kind of been mostly attracted to older books, books from the turn of the century, nothing. I have a little um, tease, I said. I don't read anything that was published after 1960, because there's nothing much intelligent that's coming out since then. So I was reading all kinds of old books, and I was reading the, you know, the Bhagavad Gita, and I just assumed, oh, here's another book from something that's from the past. Mm-hmm. The author's not alive anymore, and so it was very comfortable for me to be reading things 
that didn't seem timely, per se. So I was picking up an archaic book. But, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, to be into yoga and to be reading the Bhagavad Gita, I think that says something uh, about what you're up to. True. I had read the um, Pratapika of Hatha Yoga. I had read Patanjali Sutras uh -huh. in my yoga teacher training, but we had never been introduced to the Bhagavad Gita. I found that on my own after uh -huh. teacher training. But this was some sort of, uh, did you have a sort of an inclination to uh, Indian culture or, or was it because this uh, gave you sort of psychological insights and tools or, or sort of what was your uh, spiritual uh, goal at mm -hmm. the time? Mm -hmm. Like what did you want to achieve through teaching yoga and learning about it? It was a continuation of me wanting to be helpful to people, to help and be a healer, if I could use that word. It's a, you know, it's, it sounds a little egotistical. Well, if you could heal somebody, but I wanted to be in the modalities of of wellness. Hmm. So I studied Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. Went out to California and San Francisco. What school did you? Uh, go to? I studied with Michael Gox Acupressure Institute. Uh huh. Um, in the encouragement from my therapist, I was working in Washington, D.C. He says, well, if you're going to retire soon, you may want to start thinking about your next career. And he says, what about a massage therapist? You, you know, you'd be good at that. And I said, that's a very good idea. So I started to look into doing this, and I found Michael Gox classes and then decided to fly all the way to California and study with him for a month. So I had taken um, about nine continuing, ed continuing education units prior and then went all the way out there and did a 240 hour program with Michael Gogg. Now you're working as an economist right in downtown DC so Correct. you you, you uh, at least ostensibly have a have a successful career going yes, on. Yes right right. And um, but you're concerned about wellness. Correct. About personal wellness and maybe the wellness of, of everybody of, of people around you and and did you feel like in your career you weren't able to um, explore just being well? Um, or was this a, like, a, was this well, a complete change from your career? I felt, I was very successful in my career. Like uh -huh. I've, you know, I, I was a perform, I performed well. Yeah. But I um, never could let go of the joy of talking about camping or hiking or massages or music so all these things just kept popping out of me and here i am in a world of economists and oh god i was disruptive <laughs> i was right. basically uh so i i never not wanted to share all that with people um have you seen that show uh, sorry for this segue but have sorry. you seen that show with laura dern called enlightened no is, okay. is it on the internet or yeah it's uh, it's on the internet um, so it sounds like you were the one in the colorful sari in a room full of guys with bow ties. Right, right, yes. So, um, and then I, I, um, um, in the year 2000, I started to do plant medicines. So it, it's kind of interesting and I can kind of coincide it to the teachings in the Bhagavad Gita that I began as a karma yogi. And I was trying to maybe do things to help save the earth. I was working in environmental protection 
organizations doing nonprofit work for part-time, you know, doing that. And then I started doing plant medicines in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it know very distinctively when it was the weekend Terence McKenna died and I was working with one of his protégés doing plant medicines. And so then it was like I began to understand the Brahma's Joyti. So I first began to understand the whole earth as Gaia. And I um, studied deep ecology because this, this fascinated me, living in oneness with the earth. So I, I was very fascinated in that. And so I was working as an economist, studying environmental sciences at night, and then took a trip to Peru to do medicines in the Amazon jungle. And while I was down in the Amazon jungle, um, it was I realized that my career in Washington was destroying me spiritually. I so died. it wasn't just neutral. It wasn't just not giving you anything. It was taking away from you. Right. Yes. Because And I really realized that. I was down in the jungle of the Amazon, and I had taken three planes... Um, a cab ride and a canoe and hiked into the jungle. So we were way, we were more than six hours from any medical facility. We were deep, deep into the mm-hmm. jungle. And I was having nightmares about my job in DC. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's it. I can't not get away from my work. Even though I've gone all the way down here to try to. Was retreat. your job particularly difficult? No. Not at all. I got to make my own hours. I got to wear jeans to work. And yet, it was a source of a lot of anxiety. Right? Well, yeah, you were hubs in a cube. Yeah. And I couldn't talk about things I liked to talk about. Mm -hmm. I was, um, um, ended up in an employee assistance program Mm -hmm. because of the frustrations I was feeling. And the, um, Counselor said, um, you're too smart for this job. So I reflected on that and had to humble myself a little bit to be like, no, this is a really good job. And these people are really good people. I don't fit in. Mm-hmm. So once I came yeah. to that resolution, everything became peaceful. And I just understood that I had to shift. So I waited for to get the 25 years in and then left within 30 days of, of being eligible to retire. So I had $42,000 in credit card debt, Mm. a house mortgage, and no possible way of supporting myself. But I left the job. When I was in the jungle, I had a vision. No, wait, wait, wait. Were you in the jungle before or after you quit the job? I was in the jungle before. Okay. So I went to the jungle and... um, You had a vision. Yeah, I was... um, I um, realized um, how trapped I felt emotionally and, and psychologically. So I prayed to God. I just sort of surrendered. And I said, take my car, take my house, take it all away. Just bring me back my peace. And what came back was, if you want to be in peace, be of service. I said, be of service? What does that look like? You know, I don't know. I made the Krishna people. It was really, this was the year of 2005. This is 2005. Okay. Right. And so I was like, oh, be, be of service. I, I, have, I have no clue. So... Um, just the fact that I was dreaming about my job was what made me quit the job, not needing to be of service. So I quit the job, and then I said, "Okay, well, what is looking like being like service? You know, maybe I can follow that." And well, had you had any interactions with the Hare Krishnas before none this? At all. So it was it was independent of that that this the idea of, of being of service 
Correct. It's it totally was sort of separate because it's you know, and I should mention that it's a sort of a cornerstone it is. of of uh, sort of the religious life here. Of the, it's yes, probably I would say it's the cornerstone because uh, really what people are practicing here is something called bhakti yoga, which uh, Prabhupada translated into English as devotional service. So it's uh, the combination of being of use and a feeling of devotion to uh, who or what you're serving, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, so you came back from Peru. Peru. Um, quit my job. And quit your job. <laughs> yeah. I but was you could just about see, eligible, though. You could see... Well, yeah, I think your, your timing was good. Right. 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 I came back, it was 90 days to the day, and it was funny, because after I was told to be of service, and I, I journaled these things each morning after my ceremonies, yeah. I would journal back in my hut, and I also understood from the um, intelligence, the con my higher consciousness, that I wasn't to make any changes for 90 days. So I closed up the mm -hmm. book, came home, went back to work, started thinking about maybe retiring in about nine months or something, you know, in September. And then all of a sudden I got a job being a wedding planner and I decided I'd quit my job right away. And I looked back at the journal and it was 90 days to the day of the ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> yeah, you didn't mention the ayahuasca. Yeah, that's, that's what I, that was the plan. <laughs> So I, I, okay. I'm I, I didn't know that that was a euphemism. I was euphemism. thinking about not saying it, but now I'm all right. Okay, okay. It's already out there, so well, uh, yeah. we can continue. We can continue with that. Yeah, I mean, I think. Well, I don't. I don't have personal experience with it, but um, it sounds to me like that was clarified. Like what you're, you know, sort of that feeling of this isn't. This is costing me more than it's giving me the this, plant this medicines job. taught me about the interconnectedness of life so I saw the Brahma Jyoti so I went away from the Gaia deep ecology philosophical basis of my understanding of spirituality into an understanding of the interconnectedness of all life so I yeah. went beyond that and, and yeah it's going to be difficult to convey that as in end with words um and mm -hmm. and I'm I'm not going to pretend and be like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, the Brahma Jyoti. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I mean... Oh, I can give you a very concrete example of what that would be looking like. So I said okay. I surrendered um, to the vision of, of being of service. So in some ways, I quit my job. So I surrendered to, well, what does this mean? You know, I yeah. want to give up my job in my house. That was the surrendering. Uh -huh. And then I was with the um, uh, shaman that I was working with in the jungle. Yeah. And at the end of the 10 days, I come in front of him and he seals my arc field. He does a tobacco and he works with these special plants. He's and he circles around my body and okay. touches down the energy fields so that I could go back out into the regular so world readjust. And come, when I come out of this pure environment that I'm in in the jungle. So while he's closing down my, sealing up my arc field, because okay. I'm so wide open and taking the ayahuasca. He's mm. closing me up a little bit, protect, putting a protective layer on me, sort of. Mm. I said to myself, well, what would happen if I surrendered to Don Diego? Just surrendered to who he is. Um, and I guess I should back up. Um, while I was there, I had this little vision from the web of life 
that came down from the heavens and it was a double helix and it came into my body. Mm-hmm. So it was showed how I was connected to the web of life and the other participants in the ceremony, I saw how they were connected to the web of life. They mm-hmm. all had like little things coming down, yeah. filaments. Yeah, and I understand that, you know, when you say that like this, this I mean, this could have been a profound meditative this experience. And, and but, but you say and it's like, oh, okay. Right. Uh, you well, know what I mean? It doesn't have now. the weight. But you can't give it that weight necessarily anymore. So it was so pretty. It was my, my DNA was like white. It had like these little purple flowers. <laughs> okay. I was so proud of it. And I was like, oh, look at that. It's so... And I made like a little garland for my head. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, this is a gift from the ceremony. So that was given to me. And I felt very kind of proud of it. You know, proud, you know I was like, oh, look at that. So then I'm sitting in front of Don Diego on the last day. And I said, and what would happen shaman. if I surrender to him? And as soon as I surrender to him, this column of light came from the web and went and enveloped both of us. Yeah. And that was his connection to the web. And at that moment, I realized I was in the presence of a master. Because mine was this like little tiny little thread coming down and it was beautiful and I loved it. But this was subjective, yeah. right? It was as though we're all part of the web and um, there are people like Don Diego. And he had a broadband connection. Right, he's the anchor, one of the main parts of the webs. And then the alcoholic's on the edge, and he's just kind of wavering. He's part of the web of life, but he's not connected to anybody else. He's just out there. So, okay, well, without getting too deep into what your experience was, and we're sort of restricted there. I mean, it's just not going to convey the the, um, import of, of everything that went on. When you left Peru, what had changed? I realized what life, the importance, what, what, what things were really important in life. Not my wealth or my privilege of being an American citizen. But how much of a change was that from when you first it arrived? It was, it was, because I had the sense that I was doing them a favor by spending money as a tourist, buying embroideries, buying pottery, buying paintings and stuff like this. So that was a bit of a, and, and I was at an Anaconda restaurant down on the Ukulele, and there was a lady selling um, jewelry, and I said, well, what I'd really like is that belt. So I asked if I could buy the clothes off of her that she was wearing, and she took it off, and she said, $80, which was a lot of money, yeah. but I gave her the $80, and I got the belt. And then I, I, got, I was going into the jungle for the 10-day ceremony, and I said, that was so wrong of me. Hmm. I never should. This my ego. I can't believe I asked her, and she didn't, it wasn't offered to me. And yet, well, I mean, she probably gets a lot of that from the tourists. So I said, when I got out of the jungle, I'm giving it back. And somebody said, well, I don't know who sold it to you. And I said, come on, you all know who you all are. This is people kind of go India. You all know. Find out who sold their belt no. to the gringo at the Anaconda restaurant and tell her I want to give it back. Ah, na na na. And um, I said, well, then I'm just leaving it here on the sidewalk. Because we had an intermediary that was helping us with the Indians that was selling us things uh-huh. and bringing things to our hotel and things. I said, well, I'll just leave it on the sidewalk. And he says, um, well, she'll, um, she go, he goes, well, then she'll be here tomorrow. And I said, well, we're leaving at 6 o'clock. And he goes, well, she'll be here at 5. So we went from not being able to help me at all to she'll be there at 5. So I knew if I just kept, kept at it. So Yeah, sure but enough, she would have been nervous morning, that, you, that she wanted, you wanted your money back. She came, and he explained to her that I felt that it was improper for me to mm-hmm. have asked for it. 
And um, I said, no, no, I don't want the money back. And I had told that to him. I don't want the money back. I just want to give it back to her. Mm-hmm. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. I just did, I wanted it just to have her have it back. And she gifted me something in exchange for this sentiment that was nicer than anything I could have mm-hmm. bought from the Indians. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I realized that it, they were selling us the children's crafts. Mm-hmm. We didn't even have any concept of the value or the, of who they were. The height of their art, yeah. Yes. And so when she gave me something nicer than I even saw in the marketplace, I was very touched by that. Mm. And then I was in the and cat. It was also a good insight. And I was just like, yes. And so these are the things that I learned that, yeah, I had a good heart to go with. You know, I, I sensed that it was wrong, <laughs> you know, but mm. I didn't get the gravity of it until the return offering Mm -hmm. and then I'm in the cab leaving and they're gifting me something so I can't even pay them you know we're like pulling out and they're giving me gifts and I've started to cry and they were so confused like why are you crying you're going back to America you know and I'm just like well it sounds like it was a moving trip like sounds like a lot happened on the 10th day the caretakers of the property while Diego's not there they're mahogany thieves so there's a caretaker family and we were coming on to the property and I was like, oh my God, look how those people are living in like a chicken hut. I couldn't believe how, you know, undeveloped their homes was, you know, it was mm-hmm. just a thatch hut. And then on the 10th day, they cooked us a meal and we had dates and peas and onions and coconut and pineapple and mangoes and um Eggs of all this beautiful food that they to thank us for providing the funds so that they could have a job. So as an American, I paid for the retreat, they got the job, and then so there was this continuous acknowledgement from the people of Peru that just it really changed my life. The generosity, mm-hmm. and um, I, I left a camera in a car in a taxi cab, and they brought it back to the restaurant to me, tracked me down, and brought it back. I left a ring in the bathroom and the restaurant here was like, Senorita, did you lose something? And I'm like, oh, I'm looking, I got my passport, I got my wallet, got my camera, no. And then he goes here and he's like, he's got my ring, you know. So they were just constantly being generous and well, watching you, out for what me. What did you think? What happened? Well, no, who did you think these people were when you first arrived? I mean, it sounds like you were awakened to sort of the humanity of people who... Mm. You hadn't really appreciated their humanity before this. I had never traveled outside the America before. Yeah. I've been to Hawaii, I've been to Quebec, I've been to the Virgin Islands. But to go to a less developed country and to see the value of the people there was, yeah, it was was beautiful. Yeah. It was really beautiful to see how caring they were and how present. Yeah. And how happy they were with their, you know, humble, materialistic accomplishments and that and that altered your trajectory a little bit yes yes it did (laughs) i continued to do the plant medicines for a few years after that Uh um but then it came to a natural closure after about um let's see i guess i was doing it for about um 15 years i did about 30 ceremonies in various places so i did i participated quite a bit with Plant medicines. Uh-huh. I'm, you know, I could, I could say I'm pretty, pretty versed with it. Um, and have you found it to be beneficial? <clears throat> it's completed itself. It was very beneficial while I was going through oh, it. Okay. 
It's extremely beneficial for undoing the blocks. It really will break down the... You're kind of forced to um, deal with your stuff when you're, when you're taking the plant medicines. You're either going to... Um, well, I would imagine loosen your grip on it, or it's going to hammer. But you there's different it. ways to sort of approach that problem. Mm. Uh, I would s- assume that plant medicines aren't your only tool in the toolbox. Me personally, um, in general, in general, for sure. And I would not recommend it for most people. It's a, it's a, it's what I would call fire school. Um, it's really like go in there and burn you up. Where if you're doing yeah. like hatha yoga, it's a more subtle, slowly, like a water thing, yes, slowly yes, yes, wearing yes. you down. I've heard something yeah. uh, like an analogy, uh, the comparison between getting into a rocket and launching and between uh, setting your sails mm. and, and getting mm-hmm. ready to, uh, to launch on the water. And in general, I think the rocket launches tend to be dangerous, um, require more expertise and um, in the long run, maybe not the most efficient way to get far. Like maybe sailing is the better way. Mm-hmm. The, the gentler, less um, disrupting practices. And I would say, I would say that ISKCON is uh, more on the... It's very sober. It's a very sober organization. Absolutely. You know, there's no, um, n- no um, illicit substances indulged in. And in fact, I think the only sort of break from the serious sobriety of it is is during kirtans. There is a release when everyone's around singing, uh, you know, the Maha Mantra, that uh, it's something like a plant medicine because you're sort of going somewhere you wouldn't normally go. A kirtan takes you a place you don't get, you don't get there Unless you're doing kirtan. Kind it of. breaks through the mundane for thinking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. an altered state. At least that's my sort of experience. But but after you got back from Peru... I left my DC job. You left your job, so you retired. You took some risk. And for, So that's been like 10 years now since I've left the oh, job. Okay. Because it was year okay. 2000. And no, you, 2000. I'm sorry. 2006 some, is when I retired. Okay. And you did some wedding planning. Yes. I was a wedding planner at a, at a beautiful vineyard. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And and um, was it? A... I love that job. That was fun. Oh really? Yeah. Was it was it a struggle to keep uh, body and soul together after after having this job, or have you found that it was pretty much the right decision? And and, and... oh, I never looked back. You okay. know, I was really kind to myself when I embarked upon this. Um, I figured, well, I could at least make half of what I was making in D.C., so I should be okay. So I didn't worry about being able to work, because I've always been very industrious. So that mm. was not a concern. Oh, I can find a job. Knew that. How did you end up here? You said that you were in uh, the Mountain Dome, Mountain Top. Music Music Festival, festival yes. and you ran into a devotee. Right. So... Um, and you yeah, didn't know that I this was, was a, a living society. Right. You thought that this had passed, right? So during those t- the 10 years from leaving the Amazon jungle and coming here, I had a couple of different jobs. Mm-hmm. And the two that I'd like to just tell you about yeah. was my favorite job I've ever had my whole life was working for, for Love of Children. It's an organization here in D.C. that works with underprivileged 
economically and socially children. Mm-hmm. And they have an outdoor education center out where I live. Is it after school or weekends or it's what? It's both. It's it's a whole encompassing program. It started after Martin Luther King closed down the, the boys' schools in D.C. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, we can close the schools down and we can put the boys into foster homes. But they can't cope. They don't have study skills, family skills, social skills, whatever. So For Love of Children started, and it was an after-school tutoring program. And it would also provide everything else for the children's needs to be able to incorporate themselves back into society. And then it, um, it, it expanded itself to be even college-edge children. So children would come up through the flock program. And then if they uh, merited themselves, they would get full scholarships to an Ivy League school. Hmm. And one of the more successful flock programs was a program called the Posses. And we would take two students from two, two of the top stu- stu- high school students from all the high schools in D.C. and send them on full scholarship to an Ivy League school together so that they would go as a posse and they could study and mm. live together and learn together. Because you can't take someone from the inner city that's economically underprivileged and send them there in that environment and expect them to right. succeed. And then, yeah, and then they, like, they walk up to a group and they're like, hello, old chap. <laughs> What's up, boy? What's up? You know, yeah, um, there's a bit of a cultural... So For Love of Children was just this beautiful job working with grateful children from D.C. And then I got to work with some prisoners Mm-hmm. And it, for love of children, I was a high ropes technician. So I would put people in a five-point harness mm-hmm. and then send them up a suspension ladder and then hook them onto a course. For ziplining? Well, we would first, that would be the end point of the course, but mm-hmm. we would, it would be a, a challenge to get to the platform. They might have to do the Burma Bridge or walk on a log or swing with some things with their hands. And there was just a challenge to get to the platform. And then we would zip them. So it was a team building and self-empowerment course. Mm-hmm. So we would bring children that wouldn't even talk to each other, and we would get them to provide safety for each other. We'd get them 65 feet off the ground, which is enough to cause some damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the, I work with the most amazing group of people. The uh, staff was just Are superior. you working with them now? I worked with them for four years as uh-huh. a contractor. And then I ended up serving as an executive secretary on the board of trustees. So I continued my relationship with the parent of that organization. So, mm-hmm. uh, for love of children, um, it's not a parent, but the um, owner of the property. So for, for love of children, came out here from D.C., came out to Harper's Ferry, and we had an outdoor education center where I worked. And so while I was working, I ended up joining the board of trustees for the land that the course was held on. It's and, and the course was in Harpers Ferry? Right, on a 1,200-acre parcel of land called okay. the Rolling Ridge Foundation. And that's the organization that I served on the Board of Trustees. So I served as a contractor for the user group for four years and then served as an executive on the land. And you, and you said there was two jobs that you really... And then the second job was working as a yoga teacher. I started my own yoga school. Really? Mm-hmm. Your own yoga, yoga school? Yeah, there was never a yoga school in Harpers Ferry before I started it. Oh, I didn't know you were that this much was going on in Harper's Ferry. Was, I've been to Harper's Ferry in the many last times. ten years. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I was teaching at the Women's Club, and then I was teaching at the Community Center. Were you living in Harper's Ferry? Mm-hmm. I've been living there now for twenty-four years. Oh, okay. Yes. I I looked for an apartment in Harper's Ferry. Oh, it's it, a great little town. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic little town. I just took a picture of it at sunrise, oh. um, like a month ago. I've got a really beautiful. Oh. 
check picture. it out. Yeah, like September, right? Because there's this, it, it, this, it sets right over the Potomac there. Yeah, right. Yeah. The angle is perfect. But yeah, beautiful area, beautiful, wonderful picture. place. And so the second job was teaching yoga. Was teaching your so you opened a yoga studio, right? Now, did you have to look into the the sort of the economics of it? How much to charge per student? Um, how long well, should classes be? Well, I did have be? a business plan, um, but what Swami Satyananda from Yogaville down in Charlottesville is where I studied. I did okay. the, the month long teacher training there uh-huh. before I started teaching, and what they told us was to give it away. Give what away? The yoga teaching, the classes. Why? Because that's the way we would build our business, to give it away. So I didn't care about what I charged. I gave it away. Well, how did that work out? And then it was like on donation. It worked out just fine. Oh, yeah? It worked out just okay. fine. And that's then I good. decided that I had to set a price, and I would keep it very reasonable. And if someone couldn't afford the $10, I'd say, well, then bring me a loaf of bread or something mm. you bake. Do you cook? Do you bake? I'd ask. And then I said, well, you work in a nursery? Bring me a plant. And are you still... Do you have a studio there still? No, I stopped teaching. What happened? Um, um, the economics didn't work out. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, part of well, it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had a I had a good time teaching, and I was very surprised the students' interest in the esoteric aspects, mm-hmm. the spiritual aspects of yoga. And then I started to read the Bhagavad Gita at this time while I was teaching yoga. And I started to get a sense that what I was offering the students wasn't as... um, Where I personally wanted to have my focus. Like they were benefiting because they were coming in with physiological problems and stress and... You know, nervous issues, nervous problems. And mm-hmm. so Hatha Yoga can really, really help that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to be studying Hatha Yoga any longer. I didn't want to be reading about asanas and pranayama. I, med- I wanted to be reading about bhakti yoga and the Bhagavad Gita. So once I started to read the Bhagavad Gita, I lost interest in teaching Hatha Yoga. And mm-hmm. then it didn't seem economically feasible. Then I kind of justified it. Well, I'm really not making any money um, but I, I was setting up a fi- I set up a five hundred one c three, you know I mm-hmm. paid taxes on all that money, so I set it up as a business. So I ran it as a business for a couple of years. Uh huh. So, um, are you you live in Harpers Ferry now? Mm-hmm. And would you come here on Sundays from Harpers Ferry? Takes about an hour and a half to get here. Okay. And then I'm four and a half hours to Newverdavan. Newverdavan's in West Virginia. Moundsville, right. Moundsville. So I've been out there three times this year to visit that temple. So you're in, is your involvement increasing, would you say? Yes, but I'm afraid I might be like splitting off. Like People might think I'm being taken care of at Newverdavan, and then at Newverdavan they might be thinking I'm being taken care of at D.C. Mm-hmm. So I have to... Um, well, it sounds like you have a choice ahead of you, it's like where you want nice... to focus. Um, and let's, let's talk about yes. what, what has happened over the past year. Okay. To you. Mm. Oh, okay, since I've joined the community. Is um, that what happened come, a year ago? You yes. joined the community? Well, I kind of say I showed up at the temple. You showed up at the temple a year ago today, yes. or, or very close to a year ago yes, today. Yes, yeah. You showed up at what temple? This temple. This temple, after uh, meeting someone in Moundsville at Correct. a music festival. And then I went into the back of the book, and then I got on the internet, and I said, where's my closest location? And then just went there. And here. so you came here. Yeah, because this was the closest. You came here around Thanksgiving last year. Yes. And what happened when you came? I was like, um, I'm 
So what happened when I came, I got beads. I got my, my job of beads. What was your impression? Um, Strange? Uh, attractive? Oh, um, well, okay, that's a good question. Uh, it was a little too much busyness for me and too much noise. Oh, okay. I came from a yogi path and yeah, stillness. Yeah. And when we're working with the plant medicine, we don't talk or touch each other like for 10 days. Uh -huh. We're in this inner silence. And so I learned spirituality through silence. And then and I here come there's a lot here. of families, kids, <laughs> and mayhem. Yes. Pure mayhem. There's people coming and going. There's loud kirtans, people clapping and singing. Yes. And, you know, um, so now I understand that this is not for the uh, solitude. You want to, you well, want communities. Well, I, I, I think it's a lot more um, quiet and calm during the week. I think this is the right. one, this is their celebration day. True. You know, Sunday is a time for everyone to get together and have a nice time. But it's a social event. And I really saw that at New Vrindavan on the weekends. You know, you have these peak experiences and then quiet for a And then days, very quiet know. for a long time. So I came and it seemed like a lot, um, but I enjoyed it. The fact uh -huh. that there were people who were happy mm -hmm. and um, they weren't intoxicated. Yeah, it's and clean. I thought the people were very smart here. I saw a lot of intelligence in the devotees and uh, the understanding of the concepts, the philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita requires a bit of a um, capacity, you know. Yeah. So I saw, uh, I was very attracted to the um, quality of the people here intellectually and then also culturally because we are so close to Washington, D.C. People tend to be a little bit sophisticated. Uh -huh. So I like that. Um, and that's not that far for me because I was in Washington, D.C. for 20-some years to come back to Potomac from Harper's Ferry didn't it seemed like I was kind of coming back to my old yeah did shopping you ground did you ways. come the next week did I come I came yeah you know what I did I came for the uh, Bhagavad Gita ceremony which would be in three days so I came twice in that first week. and that's where they recite the Bhagavad Gita right it's the anniversary of its appearance of, of its being spoken right so you, you, so then you came back the next week. And then week. I came for Lord Chaitanya's celebration in December. Okay. So I, about once a month or so, I've been coming here. Okay. Regularly. And I found when I first started doing the japa, immediately my mind calmed down. I was really impressed by how, that. How long ago did you start trying A year that? ago. I'm and not was, regular with it, though. So, so you, and that's chanting on the beads. Correct. But when I started doing it... Um, I was doing it with some earnest, and it was it was I was like, wow, this is really really um, powerful. And then, forty days after coming to the temple, uh -huh. I had um, the, one of the greatest traumas of my life occurred. Really. And I went deeper into the Krishna. Uh, and that love sort of pushed you into it more. It did. It well, it showed me the um, qual the um, strength of it because somehow I I went right I went right into Chanting, how to Krishna, 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 how to, how to, and, and then I got things back that helped me deal with the circumstances. A friend of mine died, and it was a um, violence by gunshot. So it was sudden, it was sudden bereavement. Mm. And sudden bereavement's like the greatest trauma you can be in. Yeah. Because so traumatic, it it's, adds it's trauma to trauma. them. You're not expecting it. It's not yeah. like they were sick or, yeah. you know... Um, so you, you see them and then all of a sudden they're not there. And um, I um, the day I found out that he died, I was, when he died actually, 
at the time he died, I was doing japa. Hmm. I was um, doing japa and um, waiting for him to show up at my house. Oh. And I was doing japa because everything was ready. I was like, okay, well, I'll just go do my meditation. And then when he died, I was doing japa and thinking about him. Hmm. And then I got the call about eight hours later saying that he was dead. And um, I, um, before I got the call, I was doing my japa and I sensed that his subtle body made it to my house. Uh -huh. And I prayed to Krishna to take him. Uh -huh. So I was sitting in front of my altar. No, this was the night. I knew he had passed at this point. I sensed that he had come into the house, and then that night I got the call, and I was praying. And I got the call, I got the call, and I said, I gotta go, I gotta go pray. And I hung up the phone and went back to the japa. And I was sitting in front of a painting of Krishna, and it started to glow. And I just pictured John being in Krishna's arms, just being held like a baby. So I felt like when the picture started to like emanate that it was an acknowledgement that John's soul had been taken mm. by Krishna and that he was there. So this last year has just been like, wow, lots, lots happened to me. Um, that was very, um, it, it helped with the conviction of, of what I was doing, having John go away. And it was interesting because John and I were on a mystic path together prior to me becoming a bhakti. I was a mystic yogi. Uh -huh. I was doing plant medicine, studying hatha yoga, learning how to meditate, um, establishing my yogic skills. And, and he was sort of a co-conspirator? Yes, he was um, studying um, plant medicines and um, uh, a lot of um, important teachers he was reading about and a um, very, very intellectual young man. He grew up in Iran and um, was very knowledgeable. He was an artist. and. Um, but the thing is, is that when you become a mystic, you become very aware of what's happening in the world. You, you, you establish this, these abilities to, to see and, and sense things, and even to have powers. So as a mystic, you, you, you can become sort of depressed, because you can see what's going on in the world. You become aware. Well, you sort of increased your sensitivity, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like it, no, in, no. in more, like you, you build up that awareness. And unless somebody surrenders into bhakti yoga, it's what I call going over the bridge of surrendering, going from being a yogi to being a, a bhakti, you have to say, yeah, there's a lot of problems in the world, but, but there's a reason for it. It's Krishna's will. So you surrender to what is. So and if a yogi doesn't surrender and go over the bridge to bhakti yogi, I understand that you become very obsessed in the negativity. And this is what was happening with my friend. So he oh. was a mystic, and um, I hadn't spoken to him for several months, and I said, oh, I've joined the Hare Krishna community. And he said, that's what I love about you. <laughs> so I said, Hare Krishna, and he was, Hare Krishna, Hare Buddha, Hare Allah. And I said, absolutely. Um, so I joined the Krishna community and was very excited about sharing this whoa, with whoa, him. Wait, 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 wait. I mean, it's it's one thing to join a Krishna community. Yes. It's another thing to just go on Sundays when you can. Okay. Um, I mean, there's people who live here who've been doing this for 40 years, like, intensely. Yeah. And that's a little bit different. See, I'm a civilian. Okay. 
I'm not in this, I'm not in the army here. <laughs> but um, when you say you've joined the community. What does that mean? What, what exactly <laughs> You're do you not mean the first that? person that's asked yeah. me that. I said, I guess that means surrendering to the will of Krishna. Because it's going over that bridge. That I've surrendered. Well, I, I, I thought that being surrendered was a goal, but that it would be presumptuous to say, oh, I, have, I, I am have. surrendered. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, I've crossed over the bridge that from me knowing what's going on to not knowing what's going on. And that brought mm-hmm. a lot of peace and calmness. Yeah. And, I, and I said to a friend, I said, I don't know if I could have pictured my friend John showing abeyances in front of the deity. Oh, okay. And our friend said, no, I don't think so either. So sometimes we have to release our current situation so that we can advance spiritually to the next lifetime. Yeah. So I know my friend always wanted to be um, a mystic. You know, a monk, he said, I want to be a monk, which would be someone who surrendered. And I'm not sure that he could have in that past lifetime. So oh, I see. I'm resolving the fact that yeah. his soul is evolving in the way that he really wanted it to and that he had to let go of the old body. Yeah. So I learned a lot this first year in my own personal practice of doing japa, reading the Srimad Bhagavatam. I, I did a um, um, what do you call binge reading mm-hmm. of the ten cantos of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah, including yeah. the purports. I read all ten cantos in the oh, last okay. year. Okay, you didn't yeah. read to twelve. Well, I didn't have access to eleven and twelve online free PDFs, so oh, okay, I, didn't, okay. I didn't have access to this. So I haven't gotten to them yet. And you know, Prabhupada did talk very explicitly about this notion of mystics and the powers. Exactly. Yes. And um, he regarded them as tri- trivial. They're distracting and trivial. Yeah, they can I mean, be really, they're like supposedly these ancient mystics could do uh-huh. some pretty incredible things, but it was like. Who cares? And then what? <laughs> right. And yeah, then what? I mean, what have you got really? So, um, there is this sort of beautiful fixation on service and sort of just the attitude with which you serve. You know? it's And it's not more complicated than that. You know? Um, have Over time, have have you felt like you've put roots here or is this sort of a passing thing do you think you'll move on to another kind of yoga well it's interesting because i was reading about the qualities of a devotee last week and one of them is conviction mm. and i was like oh what does that mean what does that mean and and um i started to reflect like how much conviction do i have to, to the Hare krishna community and to Prabhupada's books and given my trajectory mm-hmm. I'm feeling really confident and very stable with this mm-hmm. and nothing that I have read or studied has even come close to this mm. reading it by myself I was blown away by it began to understand it and now just feel like there's just nothing else I, I haven't read anything else since I I came to the temple a year ago really right. just, just uh, like uh, Prabhupada's book that's it Wow. Yeah. And I don't have a job. I'm not working right now. I'm living off my retirement. Oh, boy. So I have no children, no dogs, no husband. So I, I can spend like three, well, four, you know, six hours a day doing this. Well, that was, that, that's something. See, I don't have a, a, a family either. And, and a while ago, I was like, well, how is this not a disadvantage? How is it an mm-hmm. advantage? Mm-hmm. 
And uh, the major way for me that it's an advantage is that when I get home, I have complete control over what I do. And so I'm able to take advantage of meditation opportunities that a family man would not have. Yeah, you'd have to schedule it. Yeah. And then ask permission for it. And then be like, it. get out of here. Stop. <laughs> like, oh, the doorknob. You know, like. This is for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I think that uh, there are advantages to not having. The, I don't drive either. So I have, like, you, you, one way to look at it is, boy, you have an empty life. <laughs> and the other way is, no, you have a lot of opportunities there that other people just being inevitably caught up in caring for each other, uh, they're not going to be able to do some of the things that I do. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I think that's part of the reason why I haven't gotten to become a family member is because I wanted to be able to move. And I was moving too fast for, for a household to grab hold of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and I'm sure there's a hundred things that have happened in your life that could have veered you closer or farther away. You know, like... Uh, life just uh, keeps happening and is full of surprises but do you sort of aspire to 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 go deeper into it or like what what would you like to see happen well I'm only going to do something if it becomes the inevitable so I will not say I'm not going to eat meat until I'm already done eating meat uh-huh. So um, I pretty much not, I, I, since I've joined, the, I think I've had like three and a half servings this year. You know, I was at a camp out. So you're sort of, you're, you're not quite ready to follow the four regular it's principles. It's not going to be a, um, a point of ego to me, which is one of the first reasons I ate meat this last year is because I started to brag about it. Oh, I haven't eaten meat for three mm. months. And so I was like, oh, this is becoming a point of ego. So yeah. let's undo it right now and have something to eat, have yeah. some meat to, to, to cure that. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what Prabhupada would say about that. But, but the principles make me happy. It, yeah, I think that they protect a certain cleanliness here. It makes it a safer environment. Yeah, it's cleaner, it's safer, and you, you just, um, it's a protection. Right. And it's not, it's, it, it seems to be sort of a personal protection, but, but a social protection as much as a personal protection. Well, I feel as though the people, as they represent themselves, it's, it's more consistent with what I'm going to see in the future from that person. Like, I, I see less volatility in the people here. Yeah. There's more continuity. Because they're them. less caffeinated, they're not likely to be intoxicated. <laughs> that, <laughs> or in a mood swing because of a relationship or something, uh-huh. you know, like this yeah, or yeah. what have you. So I feel safer with the people here. My so, own personal aspirations are just to be part of, um, I want to I feel useful. Mm. So um, right now I'm just sort of being happy in myself and creating a good, peaceful, healthy lifestyle, which is awesome. But I want to have an active role in the Hare Krishna community, well, whether it's maybe teaching Hatha Yoga again. Okay. I, I have hopes for that. Uh-huh. Um, I really like to garden. I've worked a lot of times in greenhouses and things like that. Yeah. So I'm really good with plants. I really dig the idea of getting up at 6.45 and milking the cows okay. and having that as my seva. So yeah. I could have like my seva done by 9 well, Wouldn't you have to live like, here to do that? Yeah, I'd have to live in a place. So I've spent, um, let's see, 18 nights now at New Verdavan in the last year. Yeah. Last time was a week-long stay. Are you thinking about moving there? Well, I was thinking about it very intently and started even devising a plan for myself on how I could contribute to the management there. Yeah. 
um, but then got a like an awakening that um, maybe I ought to start in the field instead of starting in the executive office and trying to help manage the place, you know, regardless of how many good ideas yeah, well, I might have. Well, it's, a, might it's be... a tricky balance because <laughs> if you start in the field, you may end up in the field. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Which might even be better. Well, I mean, so yeah, I mean, you do have to find your place. But just being a, like, visitor... I'm yeah. not sure how satisfying that would be. Um, what, prior, you're, you're ready for something a little more... A role. Um, I got to do some really cool save. I was at New Verdavan. I was working on the... Um, it was the uh, cow protection... The Ministry of Cow Protection and Agriculture for ISCON yeah. had an international conference out in New Verdavan. Okay. A three-day conference on cow protection. And so I was helping to put the conference attendee notebooks together, together and things like that and you know um helping whatever i could with logistics during the during the conference but then after that i got to do some service on one of the altars there and that was really rewarding oh really okay. i got to work on propapod's altar and they asked me to clean the bookcases because there's some bookcases with all those books in them there uh-huh. in Uberdava. and i was like oh wonderful so i opened them up and you know was cleaning them and putting the books back and then i started cleaning under the bookcases and then i was like well under his Basana, Basana, yeah. needs to be cleaned. And so the I started, That's it, the seat. And so I started cleaning it. And then I was like wiping my footprints. As okay, I came well, off well, 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 but here's a, here's a question. So you, you dug it, but it was your first time. Um, it might be a little different after a year, and it might be a little different after five years. Okay. It was my third time to New Verdamen, though. Yeah. So you're sort of a newbie. Right. And you're, you're, you're digging it. Right. Um, a question, I worked in the kitchen a little bit. Uh, I painted the is, palace a like, little bit. Like, what what kind of future is there in this kind of service? Do you oh, think? okay. Well, kind of going back to what I was saying, it has to be an organic process. I don't want to linearly say this is what I want and this is what I think should happen. I kind of want to see what my my natural instincts lead me to, or what other people say. Um, when I was but looking, for for that to work, you have there. I mean, you have to sort of integrate with that community because. It's someone can't really give you good advice until they really know no. you maybe a little better than you do. You know what okay, I mean? Okay. Yes. To see the way I would fit in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they know the organization better than I do. Yeah. Also. And so what? What? You know, we're talking about like, uh, you know, doing this and that, finding a service, but we're really talking about integrating with the community. I think, at a certain level, right? Yes. Um, and it sounds like you're considering. Uh, New Vrindavan as a, a community that you might consider joining. It's comfortable for me because it's West Virginia. Uh huh. And I am a resident of West Virginia. So I feel some affinity yeah. to New Vrindavan. But I've been on the internet now looking at the um, temples and focus, temples and focus, and it has like 20 to 40 minute videos of all the temples, Iskand yeah. temples all over the world. And I'm okay, well, opening up my eyes now to what's possible, like in okay. Belgium and Paris. And oh, yeah. I'm like going, oh, my goodness, because what I see in some of those other temples is more brahmacharis and less householders. Because so they're more, not as, more single people and less married. Yeah, because they're further away from any metropolitan city. So people who are there have gone all the way out to that ISKCON location to be just with ISKCON. It's not like yeah. they're part-time or, you know. But let's let's... Step back a little bit and and let's let's look at your potential involvement in in uh, Nuvrindavan. Mm-hmm. What might be some of the drawbacks of of 
involvement with that community. It's so close to home, I'll keep my house. <laughs> That's not a drawback, is it? <laughs> I don't know. I still have some attachments I mean, to going but back I mean, home. You know? Yeah, I mean, this is the sort of thing where you really want to look at it and you don't want to be sort of starry-eyed. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be unrealistic in your expectations. And so you want to assess, is this something that, that I will fit in? Uh, will I be able to perform meaningful service? And I guess that's mm-hmm. the most important question. Yes. Will, will I be able to perform meaningful service there? But then also, what other kinds of people are there? Will you get along with them? Is this something that after five years, you'll get the itch? You'll, you'll, you'll want to do something else, maybe. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, now you haven't, you haven't said, oh yeah, I'm going there, this is my destiny. Mm-hmm. You, you you seem a little more careful about yes what, when, when Jai exactly Krishna says to me the president of the temple out there he says I heard you're staying and I said well I don't know Jai Krishna if um if 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 it comes to that it'll be very organic where I'll just have to be here you know but right now after th- the first time I was there I booked for two nights and then stayed a third night the next time I booked for five nights and stayed in the ashram in the temple proper. Just to, and that was a very nice experience. I said, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's go for seven nights and see mm-hmm. what it's like to be in an ashram for seven days and live in the temple there with the Krishna mm-hmm. folks. So that went, um, it'll, it'll be that way. It's like I'll just keep stretching it out, wanting to stay. So my plan is to stay the entire month of October next year. Oh, really? To go for a full month. It's, and there's a couple of festivals that I want to be a part of. Oh, okay. So music stuff? Um, well, the Govinda, the, 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 the celebration of the sweets, the hill. Uh, Govardhan. Govardhan, I want to see that. And then it's a special month. It's, it's a Kartik. Big, yeah, it's, a, it's an auspicious month. And, and then there's the uh, Radha Kuna celebration. Radha Kunda. Kunda. It's the lake. Kunda. Yeah, I've been there. The, the In Radha India. Lake. Okay, did, yeah, you, yeah, did yeah. you take a submersion? No, I got sprinkled water. Some guy tried to scam me but <laughs> so I want to be there for that that um, celebration again at New Verdamen so I caught that while I was there and we did a midnight puja and then everybody went into the lake oh really? yeah it was really and then the swamis would go in with their robes and everything yeah. so I was like okay that's that's I want to do that again next year are there any other sort of uh yoga schools that you're looking at or Not considering so so it, it possibly you you've sort of narrowed it down to ISKCON, but now you're looking at where in ISKCON. Correct. And are you still not sure? Well, there's a lot of history that's happened at New Verdavan and some sadness and, you know, things were kind of like left undone. Like tools are still sitting there on the sidewalk, you know, not quite, but there there was a peak period and then, and then there was a decline and now it's got to come back. And um, there's some resident sadness there. Because really? of this, because of some of the, the the issues that happened there with the child abuse and stuff, so. Oh. Um, and do you sort of feel that as a mood? Katanya and well, um, um, I think it's um, affected how we're viewed internationally. Yeah. That um, yeah, I'm not but, sure but, we're but that's gonna... not. But no, but I was I was sort of wondering if you just sensed that it, 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 there was a bit of sadness. Uh, well, sort of there's um, a little there. bit of overprotectiveness now, 
Like, oh. they're not doing any teachings. There's no educational facility for children because we've reared back from it. Mm. So what I would want to offer to New Vrindavan, besides teaching maybe some yoga classes, is bringing in this experiential education background that I have yeah. working with for little children and starting up an outdoor education center there at New Vrindavan. Mm. So no child is behind a closed door mm. and they go home at night. But we have an, an ed program. Okay, okay. So I would like to see that come back. So... The sense that they're like, no, we can't have, you know, we can't do any teaching here because, you know, it's just that, that's a, that's something that's got to kind of like be overcome. Yeah. So they're like, no, we tried that. We're not going to do that for, you know, another 20 years <laughs> or what have you. So there's that. Um, and um, I'm still trying to figure out how I, the, the, the Brahmanic culture there, the, the Indian culture is pretty much um, the guiding force in New Vrindavan. It's a very strong administrative the Indian community is really strong there at New Verdaven. Mm-hmm. And so I've got to, you know, work through that so that I can just understand the subtleties. The dynamics of what's yeah, going on. Of, yeah. of communicating with, with the Indian um, native, nat- naturalists. And if you don't end up going to New Verdaven, do you know where you'll go? Well, I was looking at the temple in Paris and Belgium, <laughs> and I was like, they live in castles. They're like really beautiful. Yeah. They've well, got hundreds of acres. And they just look like they're cold in the winter. Everybody's wearing like scarves and heavy boots. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm... Because castles are hard to keep warm. <laughs> maybe I'm pessimist, but I think that, you know, being in a castle would be great for a month or two. <laughs> but then it would just be where you live. You know what I mean? And the important thing is going to be I think the sense that, that what you're doing is meaningful. Well, it's interesting that you're coming back and it's helping me understand kind of what I'm seeking here in mm. the Krishna community through this discussion, Mike. I really appreciate it, is that you're trying to become part of the community. And yeah. I've been a single person and been working on a yogic path and you know the, the medicine path with the ayahuasca. It's all very individualized. Mm-hmm. You don't do it with anyone else. There's no partnership. Yes. I hate partner yoga. <laughs> I, just, mm-hmm. I just like, no. Mm-hmm. Yoga's supposed to be by myself. So maybe I just see myself in having a role and then going from spot to spot and, okay. and making an offering to ISKCON in this way. Sort of visiting different temples, and then different maybe places. Hone, but I don't feel like I have a home in some Well, it sounds like it, it sounds like you're it's not sorted out yet. Right, it's, it's not sorted it's, out. Um, um, I'm enticed by all the locations. The yeah. fact that I could travel all over the world is really exciting. Um, I love DC because it's my hometown. Mm-hmm. I've got family here. I've a house for 24 years in the area. Yeah. So I'm probably not going to ever leave given that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, it's not my nature, but um, I do like to travel. And meet new mm-hmm. people. So I, I had this little, I was looking at a map going, okay, if you start in Florence and go to the temple there, and then you can go up to Paris. Well, yeah, I mean, Italy, but, but and you then are sort of. Belgium and fly I, I don't know if that's quite the mental state of the pilgrim, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with it. You know what I mean? Like, oh. because there is, and I think that, um, Yeah, I mean, I would imagine you'd have to, because you're not seeing it in terms of, oh, this is the service that I would perform there. You're thinking of, oh, a nice castle in a great city. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'll meet me at the airport. I'll come. You're putting together a vacation itinerary here, uh, which is fine. 
In fact, I would love to see those castles. And I'm willing to do, you know, the, the regulated principles and sure. work in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah. get up for early kirtan and why not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be uncomfortable just to be of service, right? It could be. No, incredible. in fact, uh, you know, in, in many ways, quite the opposite. And, and in fact, service can be uncomfortable, but still. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know why I keep coming back to this phrase, but uh, meaningful. Like, I, I do get the sense that most people are here. Uh, I, I think that the people are here are smarter than average because they've read Prabhupada's books and have some sort of recognition or perception uh, that, that is that is a little uncommon. And come to this place looking for something meaningful to do. You in know. life, yes. Yeah, in life and on a Sunday. It's like, what's something meaningful I can do today? And uh, uh, that's what brings them here. So, it, and it, it isn't, part of the philosophy is that, you know, you may not benefit from it particularly or even like it, but if you are contributing to other people's experience then you've succeeded hmm. because it's not so important in bhakti yoga what you're going through what's important is the experience of the person you're serving kind of you know what i mean and then and then finding a community i mean i do the audio here and um it it, it was very organic and and Sometimes people, sometimes I, people are surprised at, you know, sort of where I'm coming from. But I just feel like, you know, I'm happy to be here and they haven't kicked me out yet. So, you know, <laughs> that's where I am. <laughs> but I really enjoy it. And I feel like that kirtan, um, just just a half an hour of that, and it, you know, it amounts to less than half an hour. What is it? 20, 15 minutes on a Sunday is really a sort of a good medicine. Uh, there, w- there was some other podcast, I, I forget which one, I w- and I brought up this phrase, big medicine, you know, the mm. sort of the American Indian thing. There's mm-hmm. big medicine going on in that kirtan. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, to be able to contribute to that somehow, whether or not I'm into mm. it, whether or not I feel like it, whether or not I'm enjoying it, to help that, to help other people experience right. that is the meaning of why I'm here. You know what I mean? So it's not a a personal thing. It's more about what are what are the people who come here experience. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I feel like I'm service giving a, both goes two ways. I feel like I'm giving a lecture here, but um, <laughs> not trying to. So yeah. So I love the last year. This has been one of the best years of my life. Really, calming, focus on. Um, a higher taste, if I can mm-hmm. quote from one of Prabhupada's books. There is more space for the natural flow of my life. There's less expectations that it has to be pleasurable. Mm. There's more allowance for, let's just, with contentment. Mm-hmm. I used to have to seek out pleasure seeking experiences since I've joined the community. That does not. I don't, I'm not looking for the thrills anymore. Mm. Um, I don't feel the need to be recognized externally like I used to be. It sounds like you've calmed down. Quite a bit. A bit. Well, because the, the whole reference point shifted. 
internally mm. versus externally. So the entire reference point is internal. Like it used to be internally, but it was private almost, and it was unsharing, and it almost is kind of isolating in some ways, becoming a yogi. And then bhakti is quite the opposite. It's very community-oriented, but yet the, there's more of an internal focus. There's even less external stuff than there is in yogi, which is kind of, you know, take there'll be a whole discussion in itself. But I, yeah. I, I feel like the... But in bhakti yoga, you're concerned with somebody else's internal state. Right? Well, my internal state is dependent on being compassionate to the others now. Mm. Okay. Like mystics can walk around going, oh, you're just stupid and that's your problem and there's nothing I can do well, about a, would it. Would a mystic do that? Well, it's kind of like I got here and this is my state of mm. consciousness and if you're not there, then... Well, see, I'm not a mystic, so I don't really know these things. Yeah, it's mm. kind of like everybody kind of goes about it on their own way to accomplish something like because you have to yeah. sit down and do the yoga practice you have to do the meditation nobody gives it to you yeah so you but well, i can imagine that like you could do some like amazing yoga practice and end up with some kind of power and then people would be like yeah so uh are well, you know did you pay your electric bill you know like what about you know I, so you can fly well you'll see a lot in the in the community where they're wearing clothes that are inappropriate like they're too flattering you know sexual sexual mm. type clothing or they'll be modeling the yoga postures rather <laughs> right. than you know trying yeah. to show like it's showing off because yeah. they're very like you know well they're kind of elite of athletes in a way too right elitist in some ways you know um I can I can touch my nose on the ground and you can't you know and it's like um, you're you're challenging all the time where in mm. bhakti there's no challenge, you know it's just it's about being open hearted it's about caring about the other person yeah um, yeah it's interesting how the theology here which is very personal uh, as opposed to impersonal mm -hmm. uh, totally affects the philosophy and the approach because it's personal you're concerned about somebody else's state and it it really helps to defeat that that sort of that isolation even the isolation mm -hmm. of the ex expert where they're just like trapped in their own achievements really fortunately i don't have any achievements to be trapped in so i'm free <laughs> <laughs> so we're in Bhakti Yogi and it's, it's so much really relaxing. I'm just, I feel like, oh, I can let my guard down. I don't have to be this, you know, yeah. premier person soldier now. Of, soldier of the Brahmajyoti. Of, of consciousness. And I had yeah. a great revelation about the Maha Mantra, the Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. There's basically three words, right? Hare Krishna and Rama. Yeah. Hari is the eternal internal the eternal internal energy of the lord hari okay and rama is the supreme enjoyer mm -hmm. and you know how we have the knowing the knower and the knowledge yeah in the bhagavad-gita we speak about this and um, once you understand those three things you're almost trans you're, you're um, going past the modes of nature you mm -hmm. transcend them I think when you begin to understand these three aspects of, 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 of what everything is, so you have the, the Hare Krishna mantra is the expression of that in that it is the supreme enjoyer, 
Mm -hmm. The energy of enjoying, the in external, internal energy, you know, the space for enjoying. And then you have the enjoyer, and then you have what you enjoy is in Krishna. Mm. So within the Hare Krishna mantra is the enjoyer, the enjoying, and the enjoyment. So now when I sing Hare Krishna, I can think about that. that mm. am, I, am I the enjoyer? Am I the enjoying? Or am I what's being enjoyed right now? Yeah. So I, I, I thought that was pretty pretty insightful yeah. of me to find that you know, it's kind hidden of, within the it's mantra. It's kind of weird that like, you know, Hare Krishna, as you would think, if you were just a normal American, you would probably think that Krishnas are crazy. I mean, you know. Uh, it, it would just, it would just make, they're just another crazy group out there. And what is surprising is that um, there really does seem to be something good for the mind or good for the soul, like uh, sort of a, a healthy sobriety going on here that is unexpected. And it's completely different from mm. just being crazy. You know what I mean? Like there's something of substance going on here. Uh, there really is. Um, I'm not a mystic, but I know that much. That's what you're investigating. <laughs> right. Why do you keep coming? What do you like yeah. best about this What are you place? doing here? <laughs> yeah. Doing here? yeah. yeah. Why do you come an hour and a half and you could be doing anything else right. today? Yeah. But it, what it's did you been, leave behind? <laughs> it's been, there've been, there's so many interesting people here and so many, um, you know, deep, insightful minds here it's it's incredible it's an incredible community really and um you know such a diversity of people like whoever gets the crazy urge to come hang out at a Hare Krishna temple is here <laughs> work. and it's like you know <laughs> it's uh yeah it's a pretty interesting place so anyway um I think that's probably a good place to wrap up our interview thank you very much for speaking with me Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. It's, I've learned a lot Good. talking to you today, Mike. Thank you. And you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. I'm Michael Scherer. Thanks for listening. Thank you again, Diani. And I hope that you find a nice place for yourself amongst the devotees. Thanks to Rico Hayes for the theme music and to Miriam Lansky for discussions about how to approach the subject matter of the podcast. Thank you also to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland for making this podcast possible. I'm Michael Scherer, and you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. Mm -hmm.